Well, good morning, Bridge. Good to see all of you. Good to gather with you once again. Always my favorite time of the week. Whether or not it's yours, it's always mine. So it's always good to be here, good to gather with you. So um, I got to just say and acknowledge uh, Lauren McCoy just real quick. She's one of our young adults, and uh, she's, she's kind of fighting a cold here. And uh, she wasn't, you know, but she still uh, participated and she didn't bail on us. You know, she had the perfect excuse. I'm not feeling well. I'm just going to stay at home and sleep. But she came anyway. So give Lauren a huge amen for, yeah. Sometimes you just have to, you have to play sick, right? You have to jump in and be a part of it anyway. So thank you, Lauren. And uh, again, just to acknowledge Pastor Kayla, one of our team and uh, one of our, one of our great leaders and uh, ministry folk here at our church. We have a great pastoral team. All, all of our team um, participate and uh, are a part of things and make a difference. So uh, pray with me one more time and we'll dive into uh, banner year this morning. Father God, thank you for this gathering. Thank you for your church and your people. Thank you for the praise that we can bring before you. We pray that your spirit might dwell in this place to impact our hearts and minds and lives. And may we, um, may we come to recognize that indeed we have spent time in your presence and we, we can be different as a result of that. Thank you, Father, in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> so a few weeks ago when we started the Banner Year series, um, you may recall um, that I, I started out in that message that 
uh, talking about this idea of moving from uh, deliverance to destiny. That, in fact, there is a God who delivers people. He rescues us from whatever holds us and keeps us away from him. He delivers us. And then he has in mind for us a divine destiny. In other words, he, just, he doesn't just deliver us so that we can wander about doing life as we please. He actually delivers us and has in mind that we would um, become closer to him and find our destination, which is ultimately with him, in relationship with him, an intimate relationship with him. And the, the background to that message, the context of that message, had to do with the story about Moses as he was leading the people out of Egypt. And as they were heading off into the wilderness, um, they began to learn something about their deliverance. Remember, they had suffered under oppression um, in Egypt. God called Moses. Moses delivers them. But once you're delivered, we all understand that there is a, there's a whole new set of problems once you get delivered, right? Once you are free, sometimes, that, sometimes you begin to realize just um, how difficult it is to be free. In fact, the people would complain to Moses, why didn't you just leave us in Egypt, right? Because they get out and they're free, they're delivered, and they're in the wilderness. They don't have any food, they don't have any water. They begin to grumble. That's sort of how we are as humans, right? They begin to realize that, man, being delivered comes with its own set of challenges. And then they face, then they face an enemy. They were safe in Egypt. Their, their enemy had them under, their, under his thumb. But now they're out, and they face a whole new set of em enemies. The Amalekites, the bloodthirsty Amalekites were bearing down them. And this was, this was the specific story that, that that first message, in that first message that we talked about. And as the Amalekites are bearing down on them, as they face their first real challenge, their first real battle, Moses goes up on the mountaintop and he lifts up his arms. And when he raises his arms, they are winning. When he lowers their arms, they're losing. So his battle strategy is, right, keep the arms raised up and ultimately they would get the victory. But there's another piece to that message, and, and this is sort of where we're going to land today as we look at another story from the prophet uh, Jeremiah. There's another piece to that. Not only does God deliver us, and not only does God have in mind for us a destination, but the journey between the deliverance and the destination, there's, a, there's this journey of faith and faithfulness. And the challenge for you and the challenge for, the challenge for them and the challenge for us today is faithfulness. Will I remain faithful to the God who delivered me and the God who promises me a destiny? Faithfulness. It's the journey that comes between our deliverance and our destiny. It's a journey of a relationship with the God who, who invites us to entrust our very lives into his hands. Whoa. Which, by the way, is really sort of the essence of, of faith is that we as people come to a place where we say, this God is one who I can trust with my very life. And it's not, it's not just in the salvific sense. Don't, don't go too spiritualized on me here, right? We absolutely believe in Christ to save us ultimately. We believe in the salvation that he provides. But what we must also believe as Christians, as practicing believers, 
is that I have a God who I need to deliver me each and every day. I have a God who I need to entrust my life to each and every day. Not just the one time when I was baptized on that day long ago, but I trust this God. This is the journey of faith. I trust this God today in every little thing. In my marriage, in my raising of my children, don't you know you need some Jesus there, people? Come on. In my job, in my relationships, not only with my spouse, but with other people, with my friends, I absolutely need to entrust my life to this God because I, in and of myself, cannot do, cannot do it alone. I mean, absent of your relationship with Jesus Christ, I mean, just think how far you would stray, people. Come on. We would all be a mess. And it's an all too familiar story with God's people. Whenever they stepped away from entrusting their lives to God, whenever they let fear get the best of them, they were a mess. They strayed away. They put their faith in other things besides the God of the universe. Now, here, what's also true about this journey of faith that goes between our deliverance and our destiny is that it can also be a space in which God corrects us. Or another word that we don't like to hear necessarily is that God can discipline us. If indeed we fail to entrust God with our lives, if we do not trust him and believe in him, and we stray off course, God in his wisdom and his sovereignty can in fact step in and begin to help us change course, right? He can correct us. Go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. Listen to this. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son as a father, the son, he delights in. All of us, especially if you have children, understand the value of correcting our children. Because if we don't, what will they do or what will they become? We will be going to visit them in a place that has bars. And none of us wants to do that. So we, as wise parents, correct our children. As wise parents, we give them direction. We discipline them. And you, thank the good Lord, were the recipient of discipline. Amen. You ever sat around with people and talked about how you were disciplined by your parents, right? I have. You know, it's kind of like, so, so what'd your parents do to you? Oh, I got a time out. And I'm like, well, you clearly didn't grow up in the South because we didn't get no timeouts. Amen. <laughs> I think the timeout was a knockout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> You went down, and when you woke up, you were okay, right? So the, the reality is discipline has been a part of all of our lives, and it was a correcting of our lives, and it ultimately strengthened our relationships, and it made things better. So here's the thing with God. God, throughout Scripture, as you watch as you see his people, as you watch him interact with his people, 
He's always interacting with this end goal in mind, and that is, I want to be closer to my people. I want them to entrust their lives to me. I want them to believe me and have faith in me. I don't want them to stray off any other place. I want them for myself. That's why the Bible says that God is a jealous God. And oftentimes what you see happening is God's people going into what we call exile. Exile. They come under occupation. They are diverted from their divine destiny to this sort of temporary holding pattern in which they are not able to pursue their ultimate destiny or experience the promised land or the goodness or the blessings of God. The goodness and the blessings of God are somewhat suppressed. They, they're no longer on path to their ultimate destination. And God seems somewhat far away and distant and unavailable. That's sort of what exile is. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 50 verses 6 through 7 puts it this way. Uh, God sends his people into exile in Babylon here in Jeremiah chapter 50. It says, my people have been, have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led, led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. They wandered over mountain and hill and forgot their own resting place. Right? Whoever found them devoured them. Their enemy said, we are not guilty. Check this out. This is really good. Their enemy said, we are not guilty for they sinned against their Lord, against the Lord, their verdant pasture, the Lord, the hope of their ancestors. So even when you are under discipline, um, your enemies look at you and say, well, yeah, you probably deserved it because you sinned against your God, the one who provided you with everything, the one who was blessing you with everything. And so we come to this chapter in Jeremiah chapter 50. And oftentimes God deliver, delivers his correction through the voice of a prophet, a very strong prophetic voice telling you that this is what is going to happen to you because you've decided to sort of take your own path. And ironically here in the book of Jeremiah, uh, and specifically here in chapter 50 of Jeremiah, we, we begin to see both how God disciplines his people, corrects his people, but also fulfills his promise to set his people free again. In other words, God's discipline doesn't last forever. Amen to that. His correction... His correction doesn't last forever. Now, he may come back and correct you again, but he doesn't pin you down and put you under his thumb forever. He actually will take away, he will actually relent and pull back from his correcting and from his discipline. And so here in chapter 50 of Jeremiah, we get to see how God uses the nation of Babylon to exile his people. But then in, in all throughout this chapter, this is what is happening. God comes along and says, but I will decimate and I will destroy and I will make desolate Babylon and you will go free again because you are my people. So why was God so down on Babylon? Why was God just so adamant that Babylon must come to an end? Here's a little bit about Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 38. Jeremiah says, it is a land of idols. It is a land of idols. But what we also know, what we also know about Babylon is this. It stands as a symbol of pride and idolatry. It stands as a symbol of excess, of cruelty, 
of greed. And what stands out most prominently about Babylon is this, is that they refuse to acknowledge the God of the universe. They refuse to acknowledge the God of the universe as the one true king of everything. They experience material prosperity, but moral decline. And in that reality, they were defiant against the God who had time and time again shown himself to be the true sovereign. No, Babylon, not you, not any of your kings, not any of your riches or your excess is more powerful, is more profound, or is more uh, important than the God of the universe. That's constantly what God was trying to communicate with Babylon. And what really irritated God the most is that they were so confident and prideful and arrogant in where they were and who they thought they were. Now, as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think that perhaps you and I resemble Babylon a bit. And in those moments where you and I get interrupted on the journey from our deliverance to our ultimate destiny, it's only because we take on the same attitude and the same spirit that Babylon does. The spirit that sort of says, hey, it's all kind of about me and what I can get, my excess, my desires, my idols, my pride. And that, that, all that just sort of disrupts the relationship that we have with this God. All of that sort of sets us in a place to defy the true nature of the God of the universe. The God who actually has the power to deliver. And the God who actually has the power to allow us to arrive at the ultimate destination that he would have us to be. And it's that same sort of Babylon that often resides in our hearts. So at the same time God passes condemnation on Babylon back in Jeremiah's day as the people are under Babylonian exile, there's a message for you and me, I think. There's a message for you and me. Here's another way to describe this, uh, maybe the spirit of Babylon. I don't know if you guys remember when you were, um, maybe when you were younger or maybe it's still true today, did you go to the state fair? Anybody go to the state fair? You guys were no fun, apparently. Um, no state fair people. Okay, well, I went to the state fair. And it was primarily for the fried food. That's still the case. You can get fried anything at the state fair, amen? So, but it wasn't just for the fried food. It was also for the games. Remember the games you play at the fair? And you go to the games, and, or you go to the fair, you play the games, but before you get to the games, as a little kid, I'll never forget, going to the state fair, and uh, before you get to the game that you wanted to play, you'd always see these guys walking around with the biggest prizes, like stuffed under their arm or over their shoulders. And the, the big prizes were the big stuffed animals. And as a kid, I always thought that was the coolest thing. If I could go to one of those games and win one of those stuffed animals that was even bigger than I was, I would... I would just own the world, right? It was the greatest thing in the world. And so a lot of times I had to beg my parents, please, 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 let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me play the games. Even though we all know that the games at the fair are not rigged in your favor, right? There ain't no way you're going to win. 
As a little kid, you're just not going to be able to pull that off. But I insisted I can do this. So if they gave me money, I was always at the games. They're always looking at me like, why are you going to the games? You're not going to win. And sure enough, I walk away defeated every time, right? I get the little dinky prizes, you know? The little bitty stuffed little snake or something. I don't want this. The spirit of Babylon, if you will, is similar to that. You and I will strive and pursue certain things in this life. Because at the, in the depths of our souls, we believe that it will somehow give us a sense of purpose and value. There are, there are things that sort of reside and bubble up in our soul that drive us to, to pursue something, drive us to acquire something, drive us to have something because it feeds into our deep sense of needing to have an identity and something beyond the God of the universe. And what we know, we even realize this, we even know this, what we know is that the games are not tilted in our favor. If I spend my life pursuing that which is unattainable, if I spend my life pursuing something to sort of, to try and add value to my life, to make me look important, feel important, or to appear to have arrived and to have everything, I always, always wind up feeling like all I've gotten is that dinky little prize. I haven't really won. If I were to describe Babylon for you and me, it really is the pursuit of idols. Now, you have your idols and I have mine, but we all have them. We all at some level in our lives pursue Babylon. We're looking for something that will help make sense of our lives. But it's interesting what God says here in chapter 50, verses 2 and 3. This is the banner that God calls you to raise. A banner that says this, announce and proclaim among the nations. Lift up a banner and proclaim it. Keep nothing back but say, Babylon will be captured. Bel will be put to shame. Marduk, these are the gods of the Babylonians, filled with terror. Her images will be put to shame and her idols filled with terror. A nation from the north will attack her and lay waste her land. No one will live in it. Both people and animals will flee away. God comes along, he says, if you, really, if you really want to be faithful to me, raise up the banner that says, Babylon will end. All the stuff here on this earth that I choose to invest in and choose to pursue and choose to lose my way with, it will ultimately come to an end. And it's so hard for us to fathom that. It's so hard because it's so easy in the moment to chase after, pursue, to lose all sense to go after this one thing or to pursue this one thing. Check this out. Jeremiah chapter 50. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 50 uh, and verses 4 through 5. In those days, at that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah together will go in tears. This is awesome. We'll go in tears to seek the Lord their God. They will ask the way to Zion and turn their faces toward it. They will come and bind themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. So basically, God says through Jeremiah, tell my people 
that Babylon isn't forever, that you will come out from under my discipline and my correction. But don't linger in Babylon. Don't hang on to Babylon. Don't even hang on to the spirit of Babylon. Don't pursue their idols. Don't, don't spend or waste your life going in that direction. I'm calling you to something else because Babylon will end. And what an appropriate message for you and me. Remember, we, we sing the songs and we, we, we use the cliches. This world is not our home. It's just a temporary place, man. And all of its pursuits and all of its attractions and all of its prizes that we can win will ultimately go away. But the thing that lasts, the thing that lasts, Verse 34 of chapter 50, read this. Yet their Redeemer is strong. Chapter 50, verse 34. Yet their Redeemer is strong. The Lord Almighty is his name. He will vigorously defend their cause so that he may bring rest to their land, but unrest to those who live in Babylon. What he's saying there is yet, you and I have a Redeemer. He is a Savior. He is the Deliverer. He is strong. And he saves. So if you spent your life pursuing, chasing after something else to save you, money, relationships, stuff, excitement, you name it. God says, I'm stronger, I'm bigger, I'm better. And his counsel and his wisdom through the prophet Jeremiah is this. Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 8, he says, flee out of Babylon, leave the land of the Babylonians and, and be like the goats to lead the flock. He says, just go away from it, get away from it, leave it. The question comes back for you and me, do we trust God with our lives. If you were to sit here and think carefully, or when you leave this place and you're sitting in your car ready to pull out of the parking lot, what Babylon do you need to leave? What Babylon has you all caught up in a tizzy? Is it a relationship? Is it, a, is it this stuff that you're trying to get to? What Babylon do you need to leave? What is also true is that we will leave our Babylons, we will, we will depart from Babylon, not out of our own strength, but, out, but because of the mercy of the God of the universe. Amen. You see, we may find ourselves in exile, we may find ourselves sort of enslaved to something. And the common notion in the culture today is that, well, if you just work out enough and get strong enough, you can break free from anything. But God comes along and says that he is the strong one. And so any stronghold that you have, it's only really by his strength that you will find freedom from it. It's really only by his mercy that you will ultimately walk out of Babylon and find your true deliverance. What Babylon do you need to leave? Find your strength in the God of the universe. Lean into his mercy. And you will begin to experience the life that he longs for you to experience. 
you'll begin to get back on the path from deliverance to your ultimate destination, which your destination is really more about a person than a place. You come to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You find your meaning, you find your purpose, you find your value in him. It completely eliminates the, the drive to pursue anything other than a relationship with God, but it still provides you with the motivation to do good in this life. You gotta leave Babylon. There's a Babylon that you need to leave. Pray about it, think through it, seek God's wisdom on it, but determine to leave it. So I was watching, um, I was watching TV uh, last week or sometime, and I just came across this news story about some kids um, in Europe. And apparently it's kind of this new phase in Europe. I don't know if it's made it to the States yet, but it's this new phase in Europe where you go to an Ikea store and you spend the night. All right, so I was talking about exile earlier. I was talking about coming under God's um, d uh, correction and discipline. If you want to correct and discipline me, send me to an Ikea. <laughs> I cannot stand Ikea, all right? And I'm sorry, Ikea, if you're watching, but I cannot stand Ikea. Because here's what happens when you walk into an Ikea. You walk into, into Ikea, and there's just this sea of stuff. And I don't get it. I know most of the ladies, forgive me for being a little biased here, but most of the ladies look at it and go, what? I look at it and want to, you know, just leave really quickly. That's Ikea. And so I was, I was listening to the story, and they're talking about how these guys go into Ikea, and they spend the night. And to me, that would be like exile. That would be like punishment to me. The only thing that makes sense in Ikea is the snack bar to me. There's food there. If you can make it through the maze of retail stuff and get to the snack bar, everything's okay. All right? But if you stay in the store, you're forever stuck and trapped into this exile of craziness, right? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, thankfully, you get to leave. You get to check out of Ikea, right? You don't, you don't have to stay in the store. They, they close down, and unlike the kids in Europe, you, you don't want to play a prank. You don't want to stay locked in there. You can, you can walk out of the store, and to me, that is like freedom and deliverance, baby, when I get to get out of there. Here's the thing. You, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, stop playing games. Stop being like those kids and hanging out, spending the night in Babylon, in exile. Walk towards the snack bars, towards the door. It's the only thing that makes sense. Walk towards the abundance and the goodness of God. The only one who has the strength to deliver you from what it is that holds you down and keeps you from experiencing the abundant life that you so long to experience. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to play games. You don't have to try and become famous on YouTube. All you have to do is walk out. All you have to do is leave. All the scripture says is to flee Babylon. 
Walk away from it. Step towards something that makes sense. That is the God of the universe. He really does. If you spend enough time with him, you'll, you'll see that, in fact, he does make sense. And, in fact, I can trust him with my life. He will come through every time. Leave exile. Pursue the goodness of the God of the universe. Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you that you allow us to come to understand what it is that separates us from you. And may we seek to find you. May we seek to turn away from that which separates from you. May we seek to leave exile and to pursue a relationship with you and strength in you. Thank you, Father God, for the promise that Babylon ends. Babylon ends, that our exile ends, and ultimately we can be with you. Strengthen us for that, Father, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.